Chapter Twenty Four of Japan: An Attempted Interpretation by Lafcadio Hearn. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Appendix: Herbert Spencer's Advice to Japan. Some five years ago, I was told by an American professor, then residing in Tokyo, that after Herbert Spencer's death, there would be published a letter of advice which the philosopher had addressed to a Japanese statesman concerning the policy by which the empire might be able to preserve its independence i was not able to obtain any further information but i felt tolerably sure remembering the statement regarding japanese social disintegration in first principles section one hundred seventy eight that the advice would prove to have been of the most conservative kind as a matter of fact it was even more conservative than i had imagined herbert spencer died on the morning of december the eighth nineteen o three while this book was in course of preparation and the letter addressed to baron kaneko kentaro under circumstances with which the public have already been made familiar was published in the london times of january eighteenth nineteen o four fairfield pusey wilts august twenty sixth eighteen ninety two my dear sir your proposal to send translations of my two letters to count ito the newly appointed prime minister is quite satisfactory i very willingly give my assent note these letters have not as yet been made public End of note. respecting the further questions you ask let me in the first place answer generally that the japanese policy should i think be that of keeping americans and europeans as much as possible at arm's length in presence of the more powerful races your position is one of chronic danger and you should take every precaution to give as little foothold as possible to foreigners it seems to me that the only forms of intercourse which you may with advantage permit are those which are indispensable for the exchange of commodities importation and exportation of physical and mental products no further privileges should be allowed to people of other races and especially to people of the more powerful races than is absolutely needful for the achievement of these ends apparently you are proposing by revision of the treaty with the powers of europe and america to open the whole empire to foreigners and foreign capital i regret this as a fatal policy if you wish to see what is likely to happen study the history of india once let one of the more powerful races gain a point d'appui and there will inevitably in course of time grow up an aggressive policy which will lead to collisions with the japanese these collisions will be represented as attacks by the japanese which must be avenged as the case may be a portion of territory will be seized and required to be made over as a foreign settlement and from this there will grow eventually subjugation of the entire japanese empire i believe that you will have great difficulty in avoiding this fate in any case but you will make the process easy if you allow of any privileges to foreigners beyond those which i have indicated in pursuance of the advice thus generally indicated i should say in answer to your first question that there should be not only a prohibition of foreign persons to hold property in land but also a refusal to give them leases and the permission only to reside as annual tenants 
to the second question i should say decidedly prohibit to foreigners the working of the mines owned or worked by government here they would be obviously liable to arise grounds of difference between the europeans or americans who work them and the government and these grounds of quarrel would be followed by invocations to the english or american governments or other powers to send forces to insist on whatever the european workers claimed for always the habit here and elsewhere among the civilized peoples is to believe what their agents or sellers abroad represent to them in the third place in pursuance of the policy i have indicated you ought also to keep the coasting trade in your own hands and forbid foreigners to engage in it is clearly not included in the requirement i have indicated as the sole one to be recognized a requirement to facilitate exportation and importation of commodities the distribution of commodities brought to japan from other places may be properly left to the japanese themselves and should be denied to foreigners for the reason that again the various transactions involved would become so many doors open to quarrels and resulting aggressions to your remaining question respecting the intermarriage of foreigners and japanese which you say is now very much agitated among our scholars and politicians and which you say is one of the most difficult problems my reply is that as rationally answered there is no difficulty at all it should be positively forbidden it is not at root a question of social philosophy it is at root a question of biology there is abundant proof alike furnished by the intermarriages of human races and by the interbreeding of animals that when the varieties mingled diverge beyond a certain slight degree the result is inevitably a bad one in the long run i have myself been in the habit of looking at the evidence bearing on this matter for many years past and my conviction is based on numerous facts derived from numerous sources this conviction i have within the last half hour verified for i happen to be staying in the country with a gentleman who is well known and has had much experience respecting the interbreeding of cattle and he has just on inquiry fully confirmed my belief that when say of the different varieties of sheep there is an interbreeding of those which are widely unlike the result especially in the second generation is a bad one there arise an incalculable mixture of traits and what may be called a chaotic institution and the same thing happens among human beings the eurasians in india the half-breeds in america show this the physiological basis of this experience appears to be that any one variety of creature in course of many generations acquires a certain constitutional adaptation to its particular form of life and every other variety similarly acquires its own special adaptation the consequence is that if you mix the constitution of two widely divergent varieties which have severally become adapted to widely divergent modes of life you get a constitution which is adapted to the mode of life of neither a constitution which will not work properly because it is not fitted for any set of conditions whatever by all means therefore peremptorily interdict marriages of japanese with foreigners i have for the reasons indicated entirely approved of the regulations which have been established in america for restraining the chinese immigration and had i the power i would restrict them to the smallest possible amount my reasons for this decision being that one of two things must happen 
if the chinese are allowed to settle extensively in america they must either if they remain unmixed form a subject race standing in the position if not of slaves yet of a class approaching to slaves or if they mix they must form a bad hybrid in either case supposing the immigration to be large immense social mischief must arise and eventually social disorganization the same thing will happen if there should be any considerable mixture of european or american races with the japanese you see therefore that my advice is strongly conservative in all directions and i end by saying as i began keep other races at arm's length as much as possible i give this advice in confidence i wish that it should not transpire publicly at any rate during my life for i do not desire to rouse the animosity of my fellow-countrymen i am sincerely yours herbert spencer postscript of course when i say i wish the advice to be in confidence i do not interdict the communication of it to count ito but rather wish that he should have the opportunity of taking it into consideration how fairly herbert spencer understood the prejudices of his countrymen has been shown by the comments of the times upon his letter comments chiefly characterized by that unreasoning quality of abuse with which the english conventional mind commonly resents the pain of a new idea opposed to immediate interests yet some knowledge of the real facts in the case should serve to convince even the times that if japan is able in this moment to fight for the cause of civilization in general and for english interests in particular it is precisely because the japanese statesmen of a wiser generation maintained a sound conservative policy upon the very lines indicated in that letter so unjustly called a proof of colossal egotism whether the advice itself directly served at any time to influence government policy i do not know but that it fully accorded with the national instinct of self-preservation is shown by the history of that fierce opposition which the advocates of the abolition of extraterritoriality had to encounter and by the nature of the precautionary legislation enacted in regard to those very matters dwelt upon in herbert spencer's letter though extraterritoriality has been unavoidably perhaps abolished foreign capital has not been left free to exploit the resources of the country and foreigners are not allowed to own land though marriages between japanese and foreigners have never been forbidden they have never been encouraged and can take place only under special legal restrictions note the number of families in tokyo representing such unions is said to be over one hundred end of note if foreigners could have acquired through marriage the right to hold japanese real estate a considerable amount of such estate would soon have passed into alien hands but the law has wisely provided that the japanese woman marrying a foreigner thereby becomes a foreigner and that the children by such a marriage remain foreigners on the other hand any foreigner adopted by marriage into a japanese family becomes a japanese and the children in such event remain japanese but they also remain under certain disabilities they are precluded from holding high offices of state and they cannot even become officers of the army or navy except by special permission this permission appears to have been accorded in one or two cases finally it is to be observed that japan has kept her coasting trade in her own hands on the whole then 
it may be said that japanese policy followed to a considerable extent the course suggested in herbert spencer's letter of advice and it is much to be regretted in my humble opinion that the advice could not have been followed more closely could the philosopher have lived to hear of the recent japanese victories the defeat of a powerful russian fleet without the loss of a single japanese vessel and the rout of thirty thousand russian troops on the yalu i do not think that he would have changed his counsel by a hair's breadth perhaps he would have commented so far as his humanitarian conscience permitted the thoroughness of the japanese study of the new science of war he might have praised the high courage displayed and the triumph of the ancient discipline his sympathies would have been on the side of the country compelled to choose between the necessities of inviting a protectorate or fighting russia but had he been questioned again as to the policy of the future in case of victory he would probably have reminded the questioner that military efficiency is a very different thing from industrial power and have vigorously repeated his warning understanding the structure and the history of japanese society he could clearly perceive the dangers of foreign contact and the directions from which attempts to take advantage of the industrial weakness of the country were likely to be made in another generation japan will be able without peril to abandon much of her conservatism but for the time being her conservatism is her salvation end of chapter twenty four recording by Julia niedermeyer end of japan an attempt at interpretation by lafcadio hearn